Welcome to Simply by Dale HQ. On this podcast, we engage thought leaders on topical issues around law and business in the most simplistic manner. Ho, ho, ho. Indeed, it's the season to be jolly. Welcome to episode 11 and the Utah edition of Simply by OHQ. Here's wishing all our listeners and members of the Simply community very happy holidays. We thank you for keeping faith with us from the beginning of the year. On this episode, we will be talking about financial exclusion in Africa and looking at this primarily through a gender lens. It is therefore no surprise that our guest today is a certified financial education instructor and founder of Harvest social enterprise providing financial inclusion for women through a gender lens approach. Belakpe, we're excited to have you on the final episode of Simply for 2022. On a lighter note, what is your best Christmas carol of all time? Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here, uh, Maureen Harry. And, um, you know, there are quite a few of them that comes to mind. Um, thinking about them reminds me of my childhood. So actually, and I always say that Christmas is best enjoyed as a child. Um, so I think I'll just stick with Ding Dong Merrily on right? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay, so we're going to open the show with a very short um, recording of Ding Dong Merrily on High. Okay. that digital access and fintech adoption will be the biggest enabler of financial inclusion in Africa. The continent is now home to over 5,200 digital financial products, more than the level of deployment in any other part of the world. Whilst recording unprecedented numbers of users, Africa is responsible for almost half of the nearly 700 million users of digital financial services globally. Despite this record, there's an alarming about 32% gap 
in the level of adoption between male and female users. On today's episode, we will be taking a deep dive into the cause and effect of this gender gap, its impact on the overall economic development of the continent, and how social inclusion can be directed towards leveling access. First and foremost, why is the conversation on gender gap in access to finance timely and critical? Well, it's timely and critical because, um, as you'd know, no nation, no set of people um, tries without, you know, access to capital. Capital is key. Um, capital is king. Um, as it is, it's usually scarce, right? <laughs> and so, when you now realize that, yes, in the midst of that scarcity, um, it's a double whammy, you know, for about half of the entire population. It becomes a critical challenge because what it then means is that um, where, you know, so I'm, I'm talking in the context of economies now, where economies should be running and you do that with both legs, right? Um, economies are hopping, literally, because half, you know, do not have equal access, you know, to financial services. And I'm talking about financial services in a broad spectrum of, you know, not just banking, which is, you know, really critically key, but you're talking about other financial services, uh, pension, insurance, um, retirement planning, wealth and asset management and all of that. But let's even limit it to bank and, you know, the basics of banking, which is, you know, money deposit and then, you know, credit. How many women get access to credit? Um, let's bring it down to Nigeria, our country, uh, their home country, and look at the, the requirements to get basic credit and how many of these can women, you know, fulfill. So, yes, um, it's it's just purely so so when 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 we when, when i have these conversations i always say that it's not a gender conversation it's an economic conversation it's an economic imperative because when half of humanity when half of the population do not have equal access you know to finance the other half loses altogether right and so it is a critical conversation to be you know um for us to have now and beyond the conversations you know um to to act upon and that's what I've dedicated the past few years to saying that we should equalize opportunities, we should um, uh, make it a level playing field, you know, for both genders to access quality financial services. To dimension this and put it in context, I'll just give you some few examples with the women we work with and what we've seen on the field. Um, to get going back to credit point, um, any bank, any financial institutions will require to see, and you know, that's how it should be in most cases, would require to see your transactional history, um, how have you been doing with money, um, they will require some form of guarantee for the funds, um, you know, so in terms of viewing transactional history, a lot of women do not even have basic banking accounts. Um, these are evidence in statistics and numbers, by the way. And so where a woman who's just been doing cash in cash out cannot even, you know, um, share an, a sample or um, share a track of how she's been keeping money. Of course, she's been systemically exempted, you know, from further opportunities like credits, you know, or other guarantees that she might need capital for. Um, in terms of, you know, guarantee that's collateral, most of the time collaterals that are accepted are you know, uh, basically properties, landed properties. And in cases, in some cultures, 
where women cannot even inherit properties uh, like their male siblings from their parents, you know. <laughs> Again, another systemic exemption. And look, you look at financial literacy as well, which, you know, um, researches surveys and evidence that a lot of women lack more financial literacy compared to their male counterparts. And so on the long run, you realize the lack of education that is broad education and financial education, um, inequality in income, right? And um, different elements just come together to evidence that women are poorly adopting financial services and it is impacting them and impacting the economy altogether. And so it is quite critical, you know, that we um, address the economic gender gap across the world. Because it isn't, I always say it's a global thing. It's just that it's more acute in Africa, which makes it a continental challenge for Africa. And then it's even... Uh, um, deeper in our home country because Nigeria is the only West African country on the you know financial inclusion priority list. Um, Ghana was on that list before, but of course Ghana have been able to close that gap to a certain extent. So you have countries like Nigeria, Bangladesh, and India still on that list where women um, you have more women, more and more women not consuming financial services as much as the male counterpart. So it's a critical conversation. Thank you for that. And you've already begun to discuss some of the things that are in my next question, but I would like to tell us a bit more about the work you do in Harvest. So what products do you have for women? And, you know, when you started up the, the business, why did you focus on gender lens investing? Yes, as I'd established, you know, in you know my former answer, um, established the challenges and all of that. You know, I, I was I was enjoying my job as head of marketing at an investment firm, one of the top investment firms some few years back, which of course gave me a lot of insights into this economic gender gap, which I was very very keen about solving. I had started, you know, researching, reading, doing a lot of you know underground background work since 2015 on this, and um, I realized that a lot of work had been done. Actually, a lot of work had been done. And when I say a lot of work, I mean research, white papers. And they were just kept, they kept free. And so I thought to myself that for people to have done this amount of work and no one is critically addressing it, it must be, you know, really, really hard work, really. Um, and I decided that, well, if no one would do it, I would do it. And that was how Harvest came to be. To say that we need to tackle, you know, um, um, equalizing financial access and inclusion with a gender lens perspective through a gender lens investing approach. And, you know, we started and began to dig deeper and realized that the problem was even less about all of this access, you know. Yes, they, they are huge problems, but the underlying problem was economic empowerment, right? Um, a woman can simply not save what she doesn't have, right? Um, someone who doesn't even know what's possible might not even yearn for empowerment because every day she she probably doesn't see beyond you know basic things like feeding, uh, healthcare is even a luxury and all of that. So she probably is not she who who who, who why would she dare so much to dream? And then you know uh, um, she probably just feels cut off and on the fringes of a great livelihood. And that was how we had to ever start to you know. We had to really push most of our 
activities into the rural areas, into rural Nigeria, to see how we can work with these women um, and bridge the gaps through blended financing, which we did with training them, um, giving them access to funding and giving them access to markets. Um, so broadly, what Harvest does is to, our mission is improving women's lives through greater access to and use of financial services. And so we go further to, you know, give women from rural areas, as we said, who are usually financially excluded and women who are financially underserved, who are probably in urban or peri-urban areas, access to help each other as a cooperative, you know, um, contribute and then, um, um, you know, invest in each other um, via the areas that I've said, open them up for further partnerships where they can, you know, sell their produce, get them access to technical assistance, you know, ensure that there's financial literacy, um, custom-built language-based across both the women on the demand side, as we put it, which is the rural women, and the supply side, which are women in peri-urban and urban areas. And you realize that with that, you know, peer-to-peer upward movement, there's elevation on both sides and, you know, participations are being lifted. Um, and it's an unfolding story. So basically now, Harvest, with that core focus, we've been able to, you know, we have over 30,000, about 35,000 women in our network at the moment. And with that, it's, um, achieving that balance, we intend to expand and scale that solution across more women. Um, in Nigeria and course outside the country. Okay, I, I just want to mention that that is an impressive figure, you know, the women you have in, in your network at the moment. Thank now, you so much. Okay, so the thing is, right now, technology is being vastly um, adopted in Africa, and we know that it is both a leveler and an enabler. So one would expect that these dated conversations around gender gaps would have been vastly reduced due to you know, high level of adoption of digital financial services in Africa. Why do you reckon there's still um, low adoption, you know, by women? Are there underlying positive factors? Mm, oh, yeah, yes, as I mentioned, can you save what you do not? It's not possible. <laughs> you know, it's a game of nickel and dime, nickel and dime, right? You can you can only consider saving away. You can only consider, you know, um, getting um, a pension plan or even insuring, all of those are luxuries. Someone whose, who's, you know, primary task is surviving and feeding every day. And with the, you know, with, with more and more, um, not just women now, but more and more um, citizens being pushed beneath the poverty line, um, and permit me to say that with more and more representatives of this being female, because you realize that more women are becoming, um, um, you know, providers for their families. Um, not by choice, but, you know, as they say, um, statistically, a woman turns back about 90% of whatever she income that she gets into the family, right? So it is more dampening on on their financial you know capabilities so it's not a case of financial tools alone are the financial tools enabling them to get more income that's the first question or the financial tools are just there to help with cash and cash out transactions another mistake that we've done in all of this is to swap or assume that um, financial inclusion is synonymous to payment inclusion 
So you realize that with mobile money agents in the past years, it had significantly gone up for good. We appreciate it. Um, created jobs for a few, right? Um, and of course, also, you know, where it has increased convenience, but it's, you know, um, 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 cash transactions have become, you know, a tad more expensive for people. So you see someone just go to a POS agent and withdraw 10,000 for 200 naira where they could have gone to, you know, maybe an ATM and withdraw for, for, for that convenience. So, but of course, they've acquired more costs in assessing cash, their cash. So, if you look at all of this, they've lost their pecs, it's quite applauded. But again, how much are we building, you know, financial, digital financial rails that expand um, means, that expands income capacities for these women? And I'll tell you a few of things that we've done. When we initially started, we were going into communities physically, manually, aggregating women in collectives and numbers. And we knew that this is not scalable. Yes, there's need for that touch factor where you identify the leaders of the communities, religious, you know, and all of that. Um, but hey, to scale, how can a woman who harvest has not visited a community, you know, reach out to say, I want to belong to this community, I want to, you know, start, um, I want to access credit, I want to save away, I want to get access to the markets that I give, I want to get access to the technical assistance that you give. So we developed a USSD that allows any woman to do that now. And alongside that, we also built a curriculum alongside the three value chains that we, you know, um, fund at the moment for our small deaf male farmers. I'm sorry, I think I didn't mention that early enough, that in talking about rural women, we primarily, for now, look at small deaf male farmers because most of these women are agrarian, by the way. So for, for, the, for, for, for the, the, the value chains that we, you know, focus on, which are sorghum, rice and maize, we have, you know, a curriculum domicile on their phone that is, you know, just dialed the code and then you are you, you're able to see all you require in know and we keep updating all of this. So that's already expanding and giving you fingertips knowledge. And when you need to when you need to access credit, you can make requests, you can deposit, you can do your cash cash out. So you've got to just expand um leverage on on on, on technology systems, on technology itself, you know, not just to transact but to um, um, expand capacity because like I said what we do not exactly talk mostly about is that financial empowerment economic empowerment is the is that is the that is the the, the virus itself all other things are symptoms women are not adopting financial services enough you know they are symptoms if a woman has enough she's able to deploy and display you know financial transactions in a digitized way as women are now they now have a vest wallet you can see how they, you know, you can see transactions for a few months and you can, you can, you know, make judgments on that to say they deserve credit or not. So, um, so financial services significantly help, but again, um, like I said, um, we should critically, you know, we should, we should lean in more and do harder work. It's more work, but it's essential because like I always, I, I believe what is worth doing at all is worth doing well. Um, and I believe together with the right partners, with conversations like this, you know, we can do it all together. The CBN this year um, announced that Nigeria has achieved an unprecedented 64% financial inclusion and it targets 95% out of 2024. Bear in mind we are at the end of 2020. What are your thoughts on this, you know, given your work in the field? Does this data 
align with the practical realities that you see on ground? Yes, um, you know, so that's a block number. We do not have a breakdown of, you know, how that's yet for male against female. And I can assure you that if you break down the number, you realize that you still have more men, you know, being um, included in that number compared to, um, um, you know, women. Um, interestingly, I belong to um, a body that is on, on at, at the CBN itself, which is you know, a committee, yes. Um, the committee is Framework for Advancing Women's Financial Inclusion in Nigeria, Puffin, was established in 2020, um, and conversations are constantly ongoing, right? Um, we have different streams there, and, you know, we, we discuss leveraging available models, partnerships, support, tailored products and services, you know, we have targets with all of this. My point is because even the Apex Bank realized this gap, while looking at financial inclusion as a block itself, they had to look at it from a gender perspective, which is quite commendable. So um, 94% is a great number, but in its breakdown, what are the, um, um, what's the word now? When you look at it male to female, what are the numbers looking like? Um, sorry, sorry. Just to clarify, it's sixty-four yes. percent at the moment, and they are they are looking to make it to yes, ninety-five in twenty twenty-four. Okay, beautiful. So, like I said, um, it's it's if they if there was no gendered lens perspective to this, you know, would then say, oh, it's got to be done. But like I said, it's already ongoing. I'm a part of that conversation myself. I'm on the committee. Um, so. Again, another thing that I've, I've reiterated several times is that when we consider financial inclusion, what are we looking at? Most of the time, we are talking about opening a bank account. Um, it's great, but I think I'd, I'd, if you ask me, I'll dimension that, you know, under access, right? But inclusion in itself, how are people, are we tracking if people are using these accounts at all? Um, are we tracking if they are adopting other layers of financial services? Pension and insurance, most importantly, I keep talking about this. So, you know, these are conversations that, you know, are unfolding and we need to constantly and consistently access because it doesn't stop as just opening, you know, a bank account. I mean, talking about the targeted numbers, well, I would say that it's, it's quite audacious um, with the right resources partnerships you know um, deployed it might be achievable and even if it's not achieved at least anything that falls within the radar you know will be quite impressive and useful for all of us okay so what role do you think founders and social innovators have to play in you know bridging the gender divide and you know increasing digital financial services adoption you know by women i think it is just for a lot of us to you know be more creative and innovative it's quite hard, trust me, because you don't want to, on one hand, you would you would be like, who had asked questions like, okay, um, does this mean that we now have to um, treat women differently or, or, or you know, lower the, the lower terms, maybe credit terms, you know, it, you know, there are different questions that ask. I'll just say broadly that um, there's nothing that, you know, um, innovation um, with a heart doesn't solve. 
like one of my mentors would say if you say that if you look at the problem long and hard enough you know with the heart to solve it and with enough creativity and compassion in your heart you know you find a solution around it and innovation like i always say doesn't have to be something entirely new it doesn't have to be like you know a big bang but it, at times it's just about moving different things around oh instead of the um the the horse coming before the cat what about moving you know you just have to move things around in a creative way to solve for people who you know um um either due to you know societal constructs you know cultural reasons religious reasons in some ways have just been systemically exempted and um gotten their access reduced some basic financial services or some basic financial services terms, right? So we can walk around all of this for for greater good. So it's just for us all to have an open mind. Um, some schools of thought have argued that one of the reasons why gender parity and financial inclusion has been impaired, you know, despite the expansion and growth of digital financial services on the continent, is because many of the products being developed in the market are likely gender based or sorry gender bias some will even say that you know um the low number of female founders coming out of africa would likely have you know solved the product development problem and the gender bias in the development stage what is your take on this you see it's no news that we have you know less of female founders globally we have fewer female founders um and i wouldn't blame it on i wouldn't even blame this you know um, on the world um, or on the society. Um, I just think this is where, you know, those limiting, self-limiting biases um, come to play. Because you have different types of biases. You have the external one, you have the the one that you probably internalized um, or the one that you just put on yourself, by yourself. Um, it's, not, it's not really hard seeing a man, you know, Saying, you know what, I just want to chase my goals, my dreams. I want to build something. I think I can change the world through this startup, through this idea, and all of that. We really, you, 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 you really find a female saying the same. There are, for in terms of you know numbers and representations, is quite low. Um, that being said, I do not think that it's only females that can deploy, you know, gender lens. Um, investment or gender lens or, or, or femtech, like we call it, product um, alone. Um, case in point is my co-founder, Yomi Ogunleye, who is absolutely, absolutely sold to the heaviest dream um, in terms of uh, engineering and product. You know, he's constantly pushing, um, you know, thinking of, you know, our community members, how they'll be able to relate to this, what we should do, right? So he's, he's, he's a guy, but he understands the problem and he's ready to tackle it. Um, yes, there's the part of, you know, implicit bias where, um, you know, women are able to feel stronger towards the problem, and, um, understand the problem more and then be able to, you know, solve it better. I'll just say that overall, we, you know, I'd like to, I don't know, anyone might be out there listening to this and if there is truly that thing that you want to you know solve especially looking at the 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 challenges we've discussed there are just too many 
um, when I talk about financial inclusion, when I talk about um, um, the unequal access, I always say that there are symptoms of so many hyper-connected issues. You can't look at this without looking at, you know, um, girls out of school, um, maternal health, gender-based violence, income inequality, time poverty. There are just too, too many issues. There are too many problems out there, you know, affecting women that I think that more women can come out, you know, and solve brilliantly, um, you know, for good. So if if this is a charge, this is a, you know, a clarion call um, um, to have more women, you know, on board solving for good. For instance, I've been into many, 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 a lot of organizations, a lot of, you know, conferences, um, accelerators where I'm the only female. I'm not just the only female, but the only black female. It would be great oh, wow. to have, yeah, yes, yes. You know, it would be great to have, you know, and this happens, I mean, it's, it, it's happened a lot. Initially, it was strange. After a while, you know, I started getting used to it, but then, you know, I just wished and I still uh, um, um, encourage that we need more female representatives um, um, across the board who are solving groundbreaking work, you know, because again, imagine me at such tables and I'm speaking to some of the biases, some of the challenges plaguing, you know, maybe my continent or my country and it's like a lone voice. There's no endorsement. <laughs> right there's no endorsing voice there's no corroborating voice and you know it, it it really in itself is not um exactly fun so i'm charging women it's tough it's a tough field um um but it can be done and you know you have enough enough support well i'm not saying you have um building support you know the the the, the support um from the, there are more women in vc now there are more women um focused accelerators i just came out of one you know from vc4a focusing on women founders so a lot more people are moving the needle faster you know for us female founders so it's a good time you know to come participate look into a problem um equip and empower yourself on how to solve it it's a continuous process but it definitely um, can be done finally Congratulations on order. You recently launched a book stripped, which you have tagged the African yeah. Woman's Guide to Building Generational Wealth. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, 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 we imagine that you know some of our listeners would want to hear something about this book. So could you just share little details about Oh well, um stripped my first my that's my first book. Um you know, it took me 14 active months to do that, but it had to be done. And I'll tell you the um insights behind that um whenever i talk about personal finance financial literacy you know the imbalance and all of that you have people say oh social shalaka you you know mentioned this you've discussed the problems how then do we proceed to make more money how then do we you know adopt more financial services and you know when those questions come i probably have maybe 10 minutes maybe 20 minutes to speak and i cannot cover enough and i saw the you know hunger to do better I saw the zeal to do better um, financially from these women. And that was it. Um, you know, I, I love writing, actually. I started my career as a copywriter, you know, before I went into marketing, advertising, and then, you know, um, um, tech, finance, and all of that. So 
stripped essentially is to take um, a missive view at, you know, unbundling the biases that has held a lot of African women, especially, you know, from participating actively um, in financial services, and then giving a step-by-step practical guide, you know, towards how they can overcome all of this. And that's building wealth, but not just wealth, but generational wealth. And that's why, you know, in the course of this conversation, for instance, I mentioned and said, you know, we look at in um, opening bank accounts. Is that sufficient? How are you? How does that preserve even what you have, right? How does it grow what you've made? So strip look is essentially looked at um, 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 the biases, the challenges, um, and how African women can create, grow, and preserve generational wealth for themselves and for generations to come. I encourage everyone. I've had men read stripped and tell me you know it's so helpful shalakwe um and a lot of women nationally internationally are getting their copies it's available on roving heights in nigeria and on amazon um for the ebook and the paperback anywhere you are you know on the globe i encourage i poured my heart into that book trust me and the reviews have been you know fantastic i'm glad for people who have picked copies and read, and I encourage more people to do themselves and people around them that favor to get a copy of Strip. It is uh, a very impactful book. And I also focused on making sure that, you know, we with Strip, you'll be able to walk your personal finance journey in a personal way that is aligning with your values, you know, um, um, because again, like I say, with personal finance, yes, there are some rules on investing on budgeting, what works for me might not work for you ordinary so with strips you are able to find your your vibe like they call it and then be able to build sustainable wealth for yourself you should get a copy too <laughs> <laughs> i i most definitely will thank you, you very should. much man. you are you are what we will call here in qa multi-potentialite you know, having done multiple things in the past exceeding at them and continuing to move forward it's always very inspiring too to listen um, to you. Um, thank you. On this note, we would like to say a more thank you um, for making out the time to join us today on this final episode for the year and for helping us to unpack issues around gender gaps in the adoption of digital financial services and financial inclusion you know, generally. I have thoroughly enjoyed you know, the insights shared over the past 30 to 40-ish minutes and I thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And um, I say thank you to the entire team too. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. Okay, we would like to say a very big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you found this episode to be illuminating. As always, the conversation continues on our social media handles. Do remember to send us your comments and thoughts on today's episode. As we sign out on behalf of all of us at DLHQ Partners and the Simply Production team, we wish you a joyous Christmas and a prosperous 2023. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by DOHQ Partners. To find out more about our services, visit www.dillhqpartners.com. See you on the next episode.